and welcome to Heavy Pages, A Divorce Journal with Josie, your host. Today, you'll be enjoying another Topic Tuesday episode where we discuss a specific topic that has something to do with divorce. I hope you enjoy it. And welcome to another Topic Tuesday. This week, our topic is going to be co-parenting for separated and divorced parents. I found this article on the familymanmovember.com website, and I will link the article to the show notes so that you can read through it at your own pace. But I figured that today I would go through some of the bullet points that are discussed in this article and talk about my thoughts on their advice, if I feel like it may or may not make sense and how it worked for me if I even tried it. And if I didn't try it, how not trying it didn't work for me. So let's see. The first thing that they're suggesting is forming a team with your co-parent. It says time and time again, people say the trick to successful co-parenting is to focus on the children. It's almost like being in an old rock band. You can't stand each other off stage, but for the sake of the audience, you'll find a way to cope and kill it come the gig. You might have past hurts or old arguments, gripes, or other things that drive you up the wall. But at the end of the day, the key is to act as a team with your co-parent as much as possible and focus on what's best for the kid. Be warned, we're going to say what's best for the kid a lot in this article. Okay, so I agree on that. Got to have a plan. You got to try and both agree on how to do things. Actually, I was going to say like, you know, that you both agree that there's no homework before TV. There's homework before TV. and But I think those are actually more nitpicky, micromanaging type things. I don't think you both have to agree on that. That's a little bit, what is it, macro or micro? That just falls a little bit too controlling. If the other parent w- lets them watch an hour of TV and then do homework, as long as the homework is done, that's the most important part, right? So it suggests setting clear expectations and boundaries. Before even thinking about the actual job of parenting, it's important to set boundaries and expectations between you and your co-parent, which is true. First suggestion is keep it civil, which Again, I agree. It says it can be tough to stay pleasant when interactions may be emotionally charged. Here are a few ideas that, if you agree to them, will make everyone's lives much easier. Number one is never criticize or speak negatively about your co-parent in front of your children. Definitely don't do that. I tried very hard, even when I was really angry at my ex, not to say anything in front of my son. I mean, he was young. He was you know, eight years old. He's already not living with his dad because we're separated. There's been so much upheaval. And it's not just that I didn't want to injure his thoughts about his dad, but also he doesn't need more baggage to carry. He's eight years old and going through his own thing. I didn't want to add more to that. So definitely don't do that. Number two is don't fight in front of the kids. We've all seen the movies. It never ends well. And yes, that is also very good advice. While I was married, my son did see us fighting a few times. I actually remember that we had a huge, huge fight and my son heard it. And then the next time I went somewhere with my mom and my brother, I remember my son saying, mom said that she hated dad. And I was so embarrassed. And then I felt so bad because 
I mean, obviously I knew he was there. We all live in the same house. But in the moment when I was fighting, I didn't know where my son was, where he was standing, that he was listening. But he did. He heard that. And it stuck with him enough that he repeated it to somebody else. And, you know, that was a total bad on my part. And I was not successful in never fighting in front of him again. But I did try hard not to do it consciously. Number three says, keep conversations with your co-parent focused on your child. Remember, they're what matters the most. And I agree on many different reasons. Talk about the child. Don't talk about what are you doing this weekend when you don't have the child? Uh, What did you do last weekend when you didn't have the child? Keep it child focused, especially if you guys are having a conversation about, you know, co-parenting and making things and making plans and making rules and trying to agree on things, not the time for chit-chat. Save that for another time. Number four, regularly communicate with your co-parent. Try setting specific days or times to get in touch. And if the mere sight of them makes you mad, simply stick to phone calls or emails. (laughs) That's funny. That's funny, but also, yes, very good advice. Don't, I mean, if if you're trying to co-parent because you just separated, but you still have a lot of emotions, but you still have a lot of emotions about the breakup, maybe it's definitely a good idea to just email or text each other. Sometimes, well, nobody hardly uses the phone anymore to actually speak to people. And a phone is almost as, as much as seeing them, you know, hearing their voice and and maybe hearing where they are, uh, hearing background noise and then be like, where are they? It's better if you're not ready to emotionally, you know, have the, have close contact, then uh, text messages and emails are absolutely the way to go. Of course, something can always be misinterpreted, misinterpreted, oh my God, misinterpreted, I give up. You know what I'm trying to say. When you read somebody's text, sometimes you think that they're being aggressive and they're trying to send it on their side, like so friendly, but the way you receive it is not it. That's something that you have to work on. Just try not to read anything into it. Just read what it says and answer accordingly. Number five, most importantly, agree to never use the kids as messengers. Yes, yes, very important. Because the kids are the kids. They're not the adults. They shouldn't have to be passing messages between us. And usually if they were, it's not something nice. It's tell your dad that next time he needs to pack more clothes or tell your mom that she forgot to, you know, they don't need that. It goes back to the number one about speaking negatively. The kids are carrying their own baggage about this separation. Don't add more to it. It doesn't help them. Uh, And maybe it helps you, but it probably doesn't because sometimes kids will give the wrong message and then it just causes more drama between you guys. So use your email, use your text message. Don't use your kids. The next suggestion is to maintain consistency. It says, once you've agreed on how you're going to interact with your co-parent, it's time to start thinking about how you can both make things as easy 
for your kids as possible. One of the biggest ways you can help kids through a divorce is to ensure consistency. Of course, it's important for kids to encounter different perspectives and to learn to be flexible, but only up to a certain point. Whether you're aware of it or not, children crave consistency. You and your co-parent can join forces to try and create more stability for them across households. And that is true. And now I think everybody can come up with what is consistent for themselves, right? The suggestions that they give are consistent rules. And what rules would those be? It says, if you can come up with family rules for behavior that are the same at your house and your co-parents' house, then children find it easier to understand what is expected of them. And this makes it easier to apply consistent approaches to discipline. However, you don't want to be fighting with your ex about different rules at different houses. You simply can't control that. While it's good to have consistency between houses, don't start a war over differences. Just focus on what you can control. That is having clear rules at your house and calmly sticking to them, which kind of goes back to what I was saying before about if they have TV time before homework or homework before TV time. Those are, you know, minor that's that's a little too hard. That's nitpicking. That's just bringing you more drama and harder for you guys to work together to have rules. Now, maybe a consistent rule can be, I, I'm, I'm really having a hard time coming up with something that makes sense in both houses, but no cussing, uh, I, I, you know, bad words. No, geez, what would you say in both, what would be something that both households should agree to? The fact that I'm having a hard time coming up with it right now means that this is definitely something that you would want to put some time into before you start having the conversation with the other co-parent, because you want to make sure that you're making use of this time that you have together to get important things discussed. If you go in blind and you don't know what rules to suggest, then it's basically a waste of time. And then when you think of one later, you're like, crap, why didn't I suggest this? Well, because I wasn't prepared. So you should be prepared, more prepared than I am apparently right now reading this podcast. I mean, doing this podcast. Okay. The next one is on consistent discipline. Discipline your kids Disciplining your kids can be a huge bone of contention, even for couples who are together. If your kid gets away with something at your place, but the same behavior is disciplined by your co-parent, well, well, that's just not fair on anyone, and this can be confusing to children. Use similar discipline strategies between household, reduce the confusion, and help to ensure positive child behavior. For example, good, I need examples. If not following certain rules leads to a timeout at your partner's home, consider using the same consequences in your home too. Okay, I see that. So if the discipline is losing the phone for a night, then you can both do the phone thing. If if it's you're not going to be able to play with your video games for two days or whatever amount of time, then it should be the same in both houses. That is a very good form of consistency. So... I agree on that. Also, be consistent in reward strategies. It's also important to use similar reward strategies across households. For example, if your partner is trying to encourage your child to talk in a quiet voice instead of yelling at home by using reward strategies, use similar reward strategies in your home. Using similar reward strategies in your home will help promote this positive behavior. Okay, that's cool. I mean, positive strategies can be 
extra computer time, extra dessert, extra whatever, but whatever it is, that's something that you would speak with your co-parent about and agree on. Next is consistent routines. It also helps to match up household schedules where possible. Aim for similar morning routine, same approach, same screen time, and consistent bedtime. This will help children adjust and feel comfortable when moving between the two households. I don't know that we were very good in this particular topic because I know I had a bedtime for him. I know I had a screen time for him, but... I don't think his dad was as as strict as I was. I think he had a little bit more freedom over there. But I'll be honest. I mean, yes, it was probably better for him to have it consistent, but I wasn't breaking my head over it either. I wanted him to get to school on time. I wanted, that was important to me, get to school on time, make sure he gets to school on time. He didn't have him as much as I did. So if like, you know, he usually had him Wednesday to Thursday and then on the weekends, which would be Sunday to Monday, he might, you know, be tired at school. And that night he would go to bed nice and early because he didn't get as good a sleep as he could have as his dad's. Um, it wasn't something that was worth fighting over for me. So we never really made any specific rules on agreeing with bedtime and uh, wake up time in our perspective homes. But if it's something very important to you or you know you have a child that's super cranky and is a terrible morning person and needs that really good, um, consistent bedtime, then that's definitely something that you speak to your co-parent about. The next one is communication and dealing with co-parent conflict. Yikes. It says the best way to achieve consistency in rules, discipline status discipline strategies, reward strategies, and household routine is to communicate effectively with your co-parent. Think about how when you'll communicate with your co-parent about the kids. And what will you do when you disagree on a discipline strategy? Effective communication will be incredibly difficult, but it all comes down to your mindset. And that's true. You have to Remember that it's not about you, it's not about him, it is about the child, and what you guys are doing is for the child. And I really think if you guys could come together and co-parent well and communicate about co-parenting well, that it probably will help other dynamics in your relationship. And I use the term relationship because even though you are no longer together, co-parenting is a relationship and it does cause other things to sneak in. But if you guys can work well in this aspect, it will help you work well in others, even if it's to make sure that you have that boundary because you guys are communicating well and, and speaking and, and working well together in this, it might give you that boost to, to be able to respectfully, kindly keep those boundaries up. So here are a few things that might help when you're trying to avoid conflict or when there are conflicts in your co-parenting. One is managing your emotions and approaching interactions like a business transaction. And I have said that before. You don't have to be all lovey-dovey and friendly and kissy and huggy. You can speak to them respectfully and professionally, and that will help. You don't have to be too sweet. You don't have to be too jerky. Just be professional. 
The other one is making requests rather than stating a specific course of action. For example, would it be okay if we tried X instead of I want to do this this week? It's all in how you phrase things and it's all in how you say things. I'm sure you've all heard you catch more bees with honey. I'm not Again, telling you to kiss ass or anything, but it is about speaking respectfully and kindly. There's nothing wrong with that. The next one is listening. Even if you don't agree with everything, listening is a great tool to help dilute anger. Plus, it's easy. Just stay quiet and let them explain themselves. And I know this one is hard. I am not very good at listening. I have a lot I would like when I'm in the mood to argue, I will try and argue. I rarely, that's not true, not rarely, but I have a hard time stopping and just letting them say what they want to say and listening. So definitely a good suggestion. Just listen. You don't have to agree and you might not agree, but maybe once you stop and listen, you might end up agreeing or you might, while you're listening, be able to formulate in your head a better way to explain yourself, and then they might agree with you. The next one is trying to compromise. At the end of the day, just keep asking yourself, what impact is this really having on my child? And I go back to the micromanaging. Compromise. What things do you want to include uh, that you guys want to have consistent in both households and what don't you? Because some things, and it doesn't have to be everything. These are going to be two totally different homes. They will be. One is going to be yours. One is going to be his. Rooms are going to be different. Decor is going to be different. People coming in and out are going to be different. It's not going to be a carbon copy of the other. So there are going to be things that are not going to be the same. And you need to be okay with that. What is the term? Pick your battles. Pick the important stuff, the really important stuff. And don't worry about the rest. The last one is making a commitment to communicate regularly, such as drop-off or pickups or one household or the other. Communicate regularly. I know you have to communicate regularly when your kids are younger because you want to be involved. And this is for co-parents that want to co-parent because we know that there are some men and some women that don't even want to know what's going on with their kid. They don't want to be involved. They don't care. And calling them and telling them everything that's going on is pointless because they don't care. And I know that we will feel like we want you to care. So we're going to tell you all this stuff. But again, that's bringing a lot of more responsibility, stress and drama on you. As long as you care and you're doing what you need to do, you can't force another parent to do the same. It's just not possible. But if you have a co-parent that wants to, wants to continue and be that person for their child, that's awesome. That's wonderful. Communicate. Communicate regularly, like this says. I don't know about having to chat at every drop-off or pick-up. I still go back to what it was suggested before is maybe emailing or texting but if you guys are friendly enough and you want to do, you know, bi-weekly meetings or, or whatever, I mean, I know that for drop-off and pick-up, my son would go with his dad every other week. So really, if we talked at that point, it would be every two weeks. So it could be, but sometimes he's running late or needs to get somewhere or i am got plans after he picks up um, our son. So maybe texting or emailing is the way to go. But... Again, it's just saying make a, commi a 
Make a commitment to communicate regularly. It's not telling you it has to be a drop-off. It's just giving that as a suggestion. So whatever works for you guys, that is, that's what you do. And it might not work for somebody else. And other people might say, what are you doing? That's so weird. But it doesn't matter. This is what works for you guys. And that is what is really ultimately the most important. The last two um, suggestions here are helping your child through the divorce. And it says when in the middle of a minefield that is co-parenting, it can be easy to get wrapped up in your own emotions and forget to, to check in with our kids. Ensure that you set aside quality time with you and your children. Don't shy away from talking openly about the separation and their feelings. Let them know they are safe, loved, and they'll never be abandoned by either parent. We don't have to tell you how complicated separations can be, so imagine what it must be for a child trying to figure it all out. Give them time to process and be prepared to talk about as much as they need. And this isn't really so much a co-parent thing as just a suggestion for you and for your child. So again, I'm going to link the article in the show notes because there are some more items that you might want to look through and read. But I think it gives a lot of good advice on how to co-parent, makes you think, have I done this? Can I do this? Is this something that uh, we need to incorporate in our co-parenting situation if you've already been working on it and maybe you're struggling to make it better? Or heck, maybe it's really going well for you and you're like, yes, I'm doing all of these things. No wonder things are going so well. That's great. Perfect. I would be happy to hear that. The important thing is that it's never too late to try and co-parent without all the stress and drama. So give this a try. See if it works for you. I have faith in you. I believe that you can do it and that you all will be better off for it, especially your child. And that wraps up this week's episode. As always, thanks for listening. If you would like to reach out to me and share your thoughts and opinions or comments and concerns, you can always do so at www.heavypagespodcast.com. And if you haven't rated and subscribed or shared this podcast with others, I encourage you to do so. I hope you have a wonderful day and a great rest of the week. Until next time. Bye for now.